Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither, but hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Welcome to the Glassing Hour, a hunting and outdoors photography podcast. I'm your host, Ben Page, and each week I'm going to be sitting down with some of the best photographers, and we're going to be dissecting their style, their equipment, techniques, and their work. But most importantly, we're going to hear their stories. All right, so for this week's uh, glassing hour, I got Zach Bouton on, uh, who is uh, with Montana Wild and the hunting photographer. How you doing, Zach? Good, man. How are you doing? Doing, doing well. Doing well. Uh, I'm happy to have you on here. Uh, you're a good fit for the glassing hour because uh, in you're doing it in a much more uh, professional and organized manner of what uh, I'm trying to help neophyte photographers such as myself uh, uh, do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, obviously we we're think, more experienced. Yeah. <laughs> we think we're doing that. <laughs> right, right. Uh yeah. so for for people that aren't familiar uh with what the hunting photographer is, uh what would be the executive summary of that? What's the quick elevator pitch on it? Uh it's basically an online course and mentorship that is going to give you all the kind of foundational elements to become a professional outdoor photographer. It's obviously catered towards hunting photography, but it really covers outdoor photography, you know, whether you want to do hunting photography or not, but uh, it just gives anyone. It's typically, it seems like younger individuals, all the tools that they need to kind of enter into the space uh, in a professional way and kind of know how to navigate 
uh, some of the obstacles that will come up when wanting, you know, to pursue an occupation of shooting photos professionally in the hunting industry. So it's been cool to put together content. And uh, I think we've had about 25 or 26 students so far that have signed up and either have completed the course or went through it. And it's just been cool to see uh, the progress in some of those individuals and some of the networking that they're doing and working together. And just, there's a lot of cool things that they'll be doing this fall. So um, it'll be, it'll be even more rewarding to have these kinds of conversations. I think next, you know, spring, January, February, March when hunting season's over and we kind of have some more tangible results of, helping some guys and gals out. So, yeah. Well, now before we head down the road any further, I think we should look in the, the rear view and uh, put her in reverse. And uh, how'd you, where are you from? Uh, I grew up in North Idaho, the Coeur d'Alene, Post Falls area, and uh, didn't grow up hunting or fishing. Uh, kind of started doing that when I came to Montana, went to school out here in Bozeman and, uh, I don't know. Just felt like the lifestyle and the vibe of the culture between Montana and Idaho is quite a bit different. I mean, now that I've lived in both places, I don't think it was. It was probably just the sphere of people I hung out with, but I just felt like I needed to try to experience hunting and fishing and just see what it was all about. And so it was kind of all downhill from there. As soon as I started fishing and hunting, it was just 110%. And so, uh, long story short, that just led led into using some of the skills that I had to create content to start creating content um, in the hunting and fishing space. And people liked it and was going to school for business. And we ended up just creating a, a media company called Montana Wild. And so uh, my brother Travis and I did that from about 2011 to now. Uh, the business is kind of a little up in the air. My brother got married a year ago. So his path is Darn. shifted a little bit. Um, yeah. Darn brothers, uh, man. But that stuff happens, man. And so, <laughs> so I don't know what the future of Montana wild will be at this point in time, but it's, it's been a, a great vehicle for learning a lot and meeting a lot of people and inspiring a lot of people. All right. So you obviously what, what's led me to where I'm at now a little bit. So. So you obviously you picked up the camera before you picked up the the rod and reel or the or the gun. Yeah, I mean I hadn't really shot much for photos, but I'd filmed some skiing with Travis, who's my brother and in high school and I took a video editing class in high school and um Gabe Lawson was my teacher. Shout out to Gabe. <laughs> he was the man. He taught us a bunch about just editing and kind of given us the skill set to go out and create and be able to make like a short video. And so we did a little bit of that in high school, you know, made a handful of one to three minute, just us skiing, being total Jerry's on the mountain. And <laughs> uh, so I had, I had some pretty minimal experience, but I did have a little bit of time behind a camera before I started hunting and fishing. So uh, what, what'd you pick up first? The, the fishing or hunting? Um, I started fly fishing the summer before I started hunting. If I remember, no, it might've just been the summer. I started fishing first. Uh, if I remember correctly, I started fly fishing like late spring, 
and then fished all summer on rock Creek. And then we went on like one big hunting trip that fall. Um, now that I think about it, I'm actually wrong. I took my dad. So, so when we lived in post falls, we actually shot rifles and handguns. My dad had bought guns. Um, I wouldn't really say as an investment purpose, but just to have, and just to like invest some of his money into, um, I mean, if you buy the right guns, they do hold their value fairly well, but yeah, just that said, we, we shot rifles and handguns a fair bit, which was awesome. Um, and so when my parents bought a cabin over in Montana on Flathead Lake, I actually took the the rifle for a walk by myself a couple days before I started fly fishing. So I guess I did start hunting first, but I didn't really take it seriously until after I started fly fishing. So it's kind of complicated, but um, So what was your first what was your first hunt? Um I mean, I was just walking around behind my parents' place looking for whitetails, but then our first real hunt where we had success and really got hooked was going out to uh, the high line of Montana and our, our friend Tyler, his, his dad was a cattle rancher up on the high line and had some property and Tyler grew up um, hunting a bunch. And so Travis met Tyler on Flathead Lake um, in the summer and Tyler just was like, Hey, you guys should come out on my ranch this fall. And so we went out there my brother Travis, my dad and myself and hunted for, I think four days. We all shot bucks, shot pheasants, did some coyote hunting. Like it was just a blast. And from there, I mean, we were just hooked 110%. And I was like, all right, what's next? Like I want to hunt elk. I just started doing research and it was like, all right, well, if you want to hunt elk, then uh, bow hunting is the best way to do it. So like the next May, I think I drove to Billings like five hours and bought a bow off Craigslist from some dude. And <laughs> that next fall, I was hunting elk with a bow. So, wow, wow. And now, what, what, uh, what made you choose Bozeman for college? Um, I mean, I was a smart kid in high school, but I wasn't very smart about applying or thinking about college. Um, and so I've somehow missed deadlines for quite a few of the schools. <laughs> and so you're, you know, you like sit down with your counselor and they're like, Hey, you know, are you thinking about applying for school and blah, blah, blah. And so it ended up being like, well, you missed the deadline for most of the local, you know, Idaho and Washington and Oregon, but, uh, you know, Montana state, they're still open. I was like, Oh, they got a film program. Oh, there's six skiing, like sign me up. And so, <laughs> that's really what drew me to Bozeman was I could ski a bunch and they had a film program and I liked film. And so, um, I think I thought I was going to get into like ski films, you know, when I left high school and enrolled at Montana state. And, uh, so that's kind of what brought me to Bozeman originally. I think people are going to start accusing me of being like the Bozeman department of tourism podcast, (laughs) because, Uh, I think you're my like third or fourth maybe person I've talked to from Bozeman area. Um, It's a hub of, of, I mean, it's probably one of the biggest locations as far as like uh, the, just the sheer number of people that are within the hunting industry, Um, which is cool and really not cool at the same time. (laughs) 
Yeah, so, you feel like it's a little we'll, we'll dive down that hole, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people in the hunting industry here in in Bozeman area. Yeah, do you feel like it's a like on one hand, it's the kind of the place to be if you're going to be in uh, uh, doing that kind of thing, or do you feel like it's a little saturated? Or it's nice because there's a lot of people that share common interests, and there you know there's a lot of cool people um, or people that you can relate to and would hang out with whether they were in the industry or not. And then I guess the bad part about it is that um, people in different brands and different parts of the industry are very tribal and it feels like high school kind of clicks and groups of people. Uh, And, and then you just get those people that just they're here to be part of the scene, you know, and it's like, I don't know. That's kind of a turnoff for me, you know, like, Oh, I moved to Bozeman just to be like cool and in, in with the in crowd. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not why you should move to Bozeman. <laughs> Group, like groupie-esque or something. Very much so. Yeah. I, if I moved to Bozeman right now, I would be a groupie. I feel like, um, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I'd probably care. I'd probably still hang out with you, but I would characterize it that way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, right. Like, oh well, I, I have no ties to to Bozeman, and yeah, uh, yeah. I'm no meat eater. That's we'll say that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, absolutely. So, when did you guys start this hunting photographer thing? Uh, so I really just um, the last few years. Um, through Montana wild. I mean, since we've really started Montana wild, I bet our number one question always been, you know, how did you like get to where you're at and, or like what cameras do you use and how, you know, do you go about doing what you do and creating this? And so obviously there's a big want and need for a better understanding of the craft and the business of it. And so, uh, it's really been the last few years that, I've just in the back of my head kind of been thinking about what's a good way to share some of that information. And, um, the catalyst, I think for me feeling that way was working with some younger guys who have interned with us in the past. Um, like Sam Averitt and Calvin Connor and Keith and a few other guys that have come in and interned with us and we've showed them some things, you know, given them some guidance, given them some mentorship. And then, they've went out on their own and just been really successful and uh, accomplished a lot and become great um, freelance photographers and filmmakers. And so, you know, that's kind of a little bit more fuel on the fire to just help more people. Uh, It's definitely way more rewarding to help other people in my opinion than it is to uh, accomplish things on your own. Obviously you want to accomplish things on your own in life as well, but um I think both of those things just led me to wanting to to do more. And um, the world of e-learning is just a huge industry and it's growing super rapidly and people are just hungry for more information and using the internet to consume it. And so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to create an online course to basically just teach people how to do this. Um, for me, my path, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to do hunting photography for the rest of my life. Um, and so 
you know, in some of the crossroads of where do you go in life and what do you want your career path and where do you want to be in five and 10 years? Um, you know, just thinking more about it, I was like, well, if I found something else tomorrow and started doing that, I'd feel like I just, there was all this talent and experience that got wasted. You know, how can I kind of give back if I were to transition out of this? And it was like, I should share what I learned with other people. And so I came up with the idea for the hunting photographer just to create um, an online course for people to, to learn really all the foundational tools to head out there and start making a name for themselves and getting paid to pursue photography. Um, and so, it yeah, was probably, I, I suppose uh, go for it. I, su- I suppose before we get into the motivating stuff, uh, what would you, I think it's really important for, you know, as I envision myself being a, uh, you know, a photographer in the outdoor space, I, um, you know, I think about all the greats to, oh, it'd be great to do this. It could be, oh, it'll be awesome. It'll be this. It'll be that. Um, I think it's really important though, because anybody that spent any amount of time in any job knows that there's some drawbacks or that there's some unmotivating things or some, some difficult things that uh, you'll encounter that really take the the sheen off of uh, a shiny uh, dream. And I think it's really important to address those kind of things. Um, I don't, how do you feel about that? Um, I think, I mean, in the course, we start out with the foundation. It's the first module is called the why, and it's basically a handful of videos that is created to to ask the hard questions of like, why are you doing this? Because if you're not motivated, if you don't have some passion, some mission with your work, you're not going to make it, you know? And like what we did, Travis and myself, that came from a passion of wanting to share what we were experiencing and inspire other people. And that was our why. And that was what drove us. Um, and still to this day drives us. Um, and so, you know, people need to have a comprehension of why it is they want to pursue it. Social media obviously makes it very appealing because you get to see all the best parts. Um, I don't think people realize the amount of work that goes into being a photographer, um, the amount of jockeying that goes on to get jobs. You know, for some guys, they travel a lot. Other guys don't travel as much. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say what the downsides are because everyone's different and everyone perceives certain things as either a positive or a negative differently. Um, and then kind of the scope of work for photographers across the board's pretty drastically yeah. different. You know, like Stephen Drake's lifestyle versus Ted Wells, he just had on the podcast totally different lifestyles and business models and you know it's two totally different things both in the hunting industry though so so what does you know you you talked about it the first couple modules are the why asking the hard questions about why you're doing this or uh, what you're trying to get out of it Uh, can you kind of walk us through what somebody might experience as they navigate the the course <clears throat> in in what regard so you know uh what do you you know as as we go through uh the course what's 
you know, what's kind of the experience that they'll be having. I, I, I picked up that there's a, a pretty big mentorship part on it. Um, and that, uh, there's a set sort of, uh, structure to kind of navigating your, uh, photography, um, and then business side of it. Yeah. I mean, we structured the course. I mean, obviously it took a long time to shoot the videos and to edit them, but probably the biggest um, investment of time into creating this was creating all the modules and all the lessons and writing out what it is we wanted to talk about and how does it flow. So it makes sense. Um, and so, I mean, we really just start out with that. Why? And, and asking people, why do you want to pursue this? And if you've, can say, I want to pursue hunting photography. Like what's your mission and who like, do you want to do just waterfowl? Do you want to do elk? Like what is your goal with your photography? You know, like, do you want to be known as a photographer for a specific reason? Like what makes you unique? What brands do you think that that type of work aligns with like getting the wheels turning with with all the younger individuals that I've worked with either through internships or mentoring just seems like the biggest hurdle for them is trying to get their brain to kind of lead the charge. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A lot of people are just gung ho and they want to just, I'm going to go out tomorrow. I'm going to shoot photos and there's no direction. There's no thought. There's no um, time spent on, you know, that direction, that creating a map, you know, that you have to follow. And so, that's kind of how our course starts out is making sure that this is something you want to pursue. And then, you know, we talk about internships and mentorships and the course is kind of a little bit of both of those in a regard, but there's no replacement for going and working with someone for, you know, a few months or six months or a year or finding a mentor that you can talk to on a monthly or weekly basis. Um, and so we talk kind of through that so that people can navigate that if they want to outside of the course. And then, you know, we talk about the lifestyle and the industry and try to give people a little bit of a, a broad brush stroke of kind of what this is going to be all about and why do you want to pursue it before we start diving into more of the nitty gritty details. Um, and so, I mean, from there, it progresses into like module two is just about shooting photos and editing photos and workflow and kind of more technical stuff. And then, you know, we touch on gear. And then the biggest, most valuable part of the course, in my opinion, is the business module. And that's really just, you know, teaching people how to run their own business as, as a freelance photographer you are a small business owner and you need to be able to understand how to navigate a lot of different things. And there really isn't any other resource out there that talks you through it, especially with the perspective of the hunting industry. Um, You know, if you really want to invest a lot of time in doing a lot of research, you can piece it all together on your own. But, you know, we give people a very cohesive straightforward pathway you know this is what you need to know to start and you shouldn't really have too many big questions it's more of just executing you know once you've went through the course so uh right and then we wrap and then we wrap it up with social media because social media is just a huge component of 
content nowadays in marketing. So if you want to have a, at least a really solid foundation there. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and so what are the prerequisites? Uh, you know, what's, what, what are the prerequisites if I'm just somebody that's okay. Hey, I want to be a better, uh, I, I think I really want to kind of go into this. What, what would you say the right kind of person is to, that should consider the program? Yeah. I mean, the program is definitely not for people that just want to, Hey, I want to take better photos on my hunt. Uh, I mean, you could definitely take it and you'll learn to take better photos, but that's not what it's catered towards. Um, I would say that this is more like a professionally focused course. Um, like on the website, I think I talk about two different individuals that we kind of had in mind. Like the first was be like that professional hobbyist. The guy that probably has been shooting photos for a few years and, you know, maybe he's had a photo or two used somewhere, shared, maybe he spent, you know, some money and has a fairly nice camera and he likes doing it or she um, and just hasn't really transitioned in their head that like, oh, wow, like this is a passion of mine and I want to pursue it because, you know, for a lot of people, it's a it's a risk. I mean, you got to jump out there on put yourself out on a limb a little bit to pursue it. And so uh, that can be tough uh, for some people. And we want to give them all the tools to be like, if you want to take that jump, like it's really just up to you of how hard you want to work, whether you'll succeed or not. It's not going to be a matter of, I didn't really know enough. Um, and then, you know, the other person we had in mind was really just someone who is, in high school or in college and just thinks that, you know, documenting and capturing those moments out hunting, um, is what they want to pursue as an occupation. And they just want to start, they want to hit the ground running and, you know, our course, um, would be perfect for those guys as well. It's kind of like a college course. Like I, I feel like when you enroll in our course, it's like you're taking a college course on hunting photography and, you know, it's like, kind of all levels it's like an all-encompassing course that's going to give you the tools to just do it yeah and you know you talked a little bit about the workflow and i had no idea really what that meant or really how important it is uh to a photographer i i've started to do some local uh real estate photography to just kind of help expand my portfolio and kind of teach me what it's like to shoot for somebody paid. And dude, it was too easy to go out and like take some good photos of some houses, do some wide angle lenses, get up on a ladder, get a shot that maybe somebody else hadn't run the Matterport. Um, And then I got back to my, to my house and I plugged in my thing. And usually I'm pulling one or three photos off because, Oh, you know, I, I found one or three photos that I really want to save out of all that. And next thing I know, I'm like waiting for something to download. Now I'm editing some stuff in Lightroom and it's like transferring it over from, oh crap, this thing doesn't work. My hard drive doesn't work. I don't have enough <laughs> space. And kind of navigating like, dude, it took me five times as long to upload, edit, download and get the thing over to them than it took me to shoot. Yeah. People don't realize how much time, I mean, it's a full-time job on your computer as a photographer, as a creative, 
uh, you get to spend a lot more time in the field than other people do, but you're working for most of it. I mean, you're experiencing, you know, the experience of the hunt, obviously, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of back end work that just be boring. You know, no one wants to see you edit photos and, you know, watch, uh, 500 photos transferred to your hard drive. You know what I mean? So <laughs> exactly exactly well i mean photography takes a long time i mean you jump into film and it's like 10 times longer than that because it's not a single moment in time you gotta watch through you know it's not all laid out in front of you you have to watch through the footage to remember what's there i don't think i got what it takes to be a (laughs) videographer so (laughs) i I don't got it in me probably gonna create a future course on making hunting and or fly fishing films because it's um that's another pretty unique category of content that no one's really covered yet so do you feel that it's so different that you have to do fly fishing and hunting separate um yeah yeah it's really? so it's just so unique and different because the the pursuit is entirely different. Um fishing is like if we don't get the shot, we'll just go out tomorrow and we'll go out tomorrow and then the next day and you know it's a confined space of the water that's in the river and you know for the most part, it's that eat. It's a fish taking your fly. That's the most pivotal moment. That's what people crave and want to see. And so, uh, you know, the way that you film, that's different from showing, you know, a hunt's very much about the journey. Um, yeah. Fishing can be too, but I don't feel like it's as, as much so, or it's not um, glorified as much where hunting the journey is a huge part of it. And, you know, you get one opportunity and when you kill that animal, it's done. There's no going back. You can't, I mean, if you miss a shot, you miss the shot. You know, it's like if I miss the eat on a big brown trout out fly fishing, well, we'll just film until we catch another one, <laughs> you know, uh, hunting. Yeah, you're, 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 so it's just a different mindset. The editing maybe isn't so different, but um, the filming aspect of it definitely is. I mean, that makes total sense now that, uh, you know, now I feel silly for asking the question, but I'm glad I did. Um, no, I mean, I don't think you should feel that way at all. I mean, I'm sure if you really had the time to sit down and think about it, you know, like asked yourself the question, you probably could have come to some of that, you know, but kind of off the cuff. Yeah, I don't think people would probably think that. Through your mentorship and uh, kind of teaching some other photographers and videographers, what have you found is the most critical aspect to uh, someone succeeding or someone kind of pittering out, I guess, uh, or, or ending up, you know, just not making it. Yeah. Um, I mean, what we say in the course is that the number one key to success is hard work. Uh if you don't want to work hard, if you don't want to make sacrifices, you're not going to be successful. Um, I mean, who you know and networking can get you so far. And that's what we <laughs> that's what we say is the, the number two key to success. But hard work 
I mean, that's how I got to where I'm at. I mean, if you just look at business across the board, most people that have found success in whatever it is they do just worked harder than everyone else. And so um, the guys that are willing to work hard and can, you know, adapt and slowly train themselves to be a little bit more thoughtful about how they go about the craft, they all find success. Um, It's the people that want to do it for the wrong reasons, that don't want to put in the hard work. You know, they're the people that fizzle out and fall off the map. Yeah. Well, what's... Go ahead. Sorry. No, go for it. Oh, no. Uh, I was just going to ask, you know, what are some of the, as you kind of have come up, what what are some of the more memorable shoots that you've had uh, uh, that you can really remember, like, learning something from and what what did you, you know, what are some of the hard lessons you've learned over time? Um, I mean, some of the most, some of the best days for us were just like the very first days filming fly fishing out on rock Creek. And we were just three college kids, just total dipshits, you know, just classic college bros out on the river, (laughs) you know, and I can just remember, yelling at travis and ian and telling them that they needed to take it more seriously and you know like if we wanted to work for brands you know we can't be cussing all the time and you know you just kind of have to cut some of some of the crap that maybe you do with your buddies out you know and, and start thinking with that business mindset but those early days where you just went out and had Zero plan. You just created and got back to your computer. We're like, oh, man, this makes no sense. I don't know what I'm going to do with half these shots or photos or any of it. I mean, those are probably the most, you know, important days as far as our, like, creative process and learning. And, you know, you can do a lot of things like this course and internships and mentorships to learn. But at the end of the day, like, you have to go out and just create and understand that you're going to fail in a lot of regards, but that's what allows you to grow and allows you to learn more. I mean, it's like having a dog or a kid, you know, I mean, you can tell them a million times not to do something, but sometimes they just have to do it and understand the repercussions for themselves. And same kind of thing applies with film and photography, I think. Yeah. Now I did, I have a photo that I found of, of yours that I I was curious as to how you got how you went about it and how you got the the lighting right for it and and it's uh, people are maybe are not gonna feel like it's like oh, that's not really super outdoors but I was super interested on it because uh, I know how much light gets it's a it's a photo of a guy welding something yeah uh, and I know how bright uh, you know welding arcs get and I yeah. was curious how you how you went about. Uh, how do you set something up like that? Because I feel like it would just um, completely throw off any, uh, you know, any settings that you did have. Yeah, I mean, so with photography, obviously you want to like, let's say I walk into a shop and I'm going to shoot photos of someone welding. I should have some kind of vision of what it is I want to create. Or as soon as I get into the space, I should start like looking around and with photography, um, 
you know, we don't focus a lot on the technical skills because that's something that you'll develop on your own. You know, we want people to develop an eye. I mean, the camera is just a tool. And so eventually you want to get to the point where you see a photo, you're like, that's a cool photo. And you just grab your camera to capture it. Um, and so, you know, if I went in to go shoot a photo of someone welding, I'm like, okay, well, the welding's crazy bright. So, you know, my normal settings to, to capture this environment isn't going to work. So, you know, I need to basically limit the amount of light that's entering my camera. So I would just up my shutter speed probably is what I'd do straight off the bat, you know. So it was probably shot with a really fast high shutter speed, which is going to, you know, decrease the amount of light that makes it to your actual sensor. And then um, a fast shutter speed typically is going to freeze motion depending on how fast the motion is and so they would probably um take and freeze a lot of those sparks and things i mean if you wanted to allow some of those sparks coming off the weld to kind of have that you know trail kind of that light trail you could pull your shutter speed back down and you know shoot a really high aperture which basically, you know, is again, limiting that light. So there's some different decisions that you can make on how you want to take a photo every time you pull your camera out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another one that I thought that really caught my eye was there, it was an elk uh, completely, you know, it was framed such that uh, nothing but snow around him. I mean, you can't even tell, I think what, if he's in a snow bank or if he's, you know, yeah. on a ridge or what it is. And just, it's just snow and an elk and the elk is so vivid, uh, against that snow. And I thought that was a pretty interesting, uh, um, interesting photo. And you were talking about an eye, uh, for that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, what's your kind of typical, uh, when you're out on an elk hunt, or I guess what's the difference in your gear gear from going out on a, a hunt out like that, versus fishing what's you know is the gear pack out different i feel like it has to be um it, it is in some regards but i mean i over time i guess i've kind of reduced the size of my camera kit <laughs> you don't need as much as you think you do um and i think some people get wrapped up in oh i want this lens and you always have a new lens that you want or a new camera body or a new piece of equipment and in a lot of senses it's helpful but i've kind of got my kit pretty limited at the moment so what i i mean what i take on most shoots fits in a small carry on pelican case and i could take that on a, a fishing or a hunting shoot but um for me, honestly, I guess if I think about it and in most day-to-day -day scenarios, my kit's really probably not too different. I mean, I'll carry a long lens like a 80 to 200 or 80 to 400 on on a lot of my hunts just because of that wildlife um, situation where a lot of what you're trying to document can be a long ways away from you. Um, and fishing's obviously typically more close encounters. Um, and so you'd probably use a little bit more wide angle, but it comes down to the photographer and what they want to shoot. I mean, I could go shoot fishing all day on a two to 400 millimeter lens and get some great photos. It's just 
comes down to the photographer and what they want to do. But my kit honestly wouldn't be too drastically different. Yeah. I, I mean, so you said that you carry around, you know, an 80 to 200 or 400. Um, what else is kind of, what else we find in that Pelican case? I mean, right now it'll be like, you know, I'll have a 24 to 120 F4. Um, that's just a super versatile zoom. Um, yeah, I mean, it's F4, so it's not great in low light, but it's great for filming and photos in the middle of the day. Um, so it's super versatile. And then um, I'll either have a 14 millimeter wide angle and or a 50 millimeter prime and then like an 80 to 400 long lens. And I pretty much have all my bases covered um, with three or four lenses. Mm -hmm. um, there's some other primes that you can throw in or like a macro lens or something, but um i i think people think you need more than you do if you buy it i mean if you buy a professional 24 to 72.8 lens i mean like if you talk to drake or other people i mean it's there's probably been more published and utilized photos taken with a 24 to 72.8 than probably any other lens so um some people just get wrapped up in the gear and think that that's the defining factor and it's far from the, from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just for frame of reference, uh, what do you, what kind of what body do you shoot? I shoot a Nikon D850 right now. And, um, I've shot Nikon from the beginning and I just, I really like Nikons. Uh, Sony would probably be what I would shoot if I were to switch makes of cameras i think sony does an awesome job and i've had their cameras in the past both for photos and video but the nikon for me is just it's the best all-purpose camera i can shoot video that i'm super happy with straight out of the camera and switch over with the click of a button and shoot photos that are going to be more than enough for anyone that i'm sending photos to so yeah, that was the one thing that I kind of learned about uh, about my camera. I shoot a fifty one hundred, and um, it's not as I it's not as simple as uh, you know one click of the button over for my for mine at least. I I have to go in and I have to create a couple presets to really kind of help it be better videography. Um, and I don't know if that's if that's something maybe that's necessary, but. Uh, do you, do you find yourself having to do anything like that from switching over from video to uh, stills? No, I mean, I think it should save the settings of what you had, you know, what your settings are when you shoot video versus photos can be different. It doesn't have to mirror each other. Um, but I've just used a camera so much I can switch over and instantly change shutter aperture ISO in a matter of a couple seconds and be right in the ballpark to shoot a photo. So unless it's happening yeah. crazy quick, you know, I can adapt the settings very quickly and shoot the photo or shoot the video. So, yeah, I always feel like it's, it's so shutter and aperture. Like that's pretty quick. You can, uh, it's the ISO that kind of trips me up. Uh, Cause having to oh, get into the menu, click over and pick one, you know, 
quick and guess. And it's just, I don't really, I guess I don't really have the eye for it yet on, on really judging on what ISO I need or kind of how I'm, how I'm fitting the, the shot and whatnot. But I feel like that's the most, uh, at least intuitive for me is because I have to click a couple buttons multiple times to, to get in there and access it. And I don't, but. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to ISO should be something that you can, you know, like I have an ISO button and I'll just manipulate it with the back wheel on my camera. Um, oh, you want to well, be, be able to manipulate that on the fly. And it's probably just a setting that you don't have dialed in or don't know about. Um, Cause that's really one of the top settings that you should be able to adjust on the fly, especially if you have a Nikon, there'll be that setting. But yeah, right now I, I guess, I'm pressing that. Yeah. <laughs> ISO is really just, uh, the sensitivity to light. And it just came from when we actually had to use film back in the day, you would have to buy a certain ISO film for whatever it is you're going to go shoot, you know? So if it was like a super sunny day, I'd go buy a roll of ISO a hundred or if I was going to shoot, uh, a concert, you know, I'd have to go buy a roll of ISO 1600 or whatever, you know, because you knew I need, I need film that's going to, you know, be more sensitive to light. So basically ISO just really, it's saying how sensitive do I want my sensor to be to light? And the lower it is, the less sensitive it is. And so the cleaner the image is going to be, there'll be less noise. But as you start cranking the ISO up and it's becoming more sensitive to light, it's just, there's creating some more noise in the image because it's kind of, you yeah. know, computer generated. Um, and even with film, it would be a little more noisy, grainy image, but uh, you can go pretty high without yeah, most people ever noticing that you had to adjust your ISO up. So, Yeah, it's, I always uh, kind of in these conversations, I always learn one little technical thing that I definitely probably should have picked up by now. But, you know, back button uh, focus and um, a couple other things. And, and now I'm going to definitely go in there and figure out how I can shortcut ISO settings. Um, yeah, I mean, most cameras will have like a couple custom function buttons. Um, that's a, basically a button that you get to go in and set what you want it to take you to or adjust. You know, the camera when it when it comes to you, it'll be set on something. But you can right. go into the menu a lot of time. You know, I think most cameras probably have like three different custom buttons that you can, you can go in and manipulate, you know, if you want one to be white balance or your focus points or, you know, there's just different things you can adapt it to. So, um, I kind of would encourage people to try to set up their camera to their preferences when they first get it. It's like one of those yeah. things like <laughs> it's, it's hard, I think for just about anyone to do, but when you get something, it's, pretty nice when you actually read through some of or most of the manual but for a lot of people so hard you, you have to, it's just like yeah. ah it's here i'm gonna just go use it sweet <laughs> it's like well if you spent 10 minutes and read your manual or some of it you'd be so far ahead of the game but that's yeah. just one i am uh, <laughs> you can tell other people that and then you never do it yourself either <laughs> damn it if you're not the third professional photographer that's told me to read my manual. Um, 
<laughs> maybe maybe that's it. Maybe now I got to go do it. I don't know. Uh, spent a lot of time on YouTube, uh, and uh, yeah. So I think I'm. Uh, that's that's kind of you know maybe one of the reasons that I started doing this thing is is I like to see things and talk about things and maybe I'm maybe I'm a bad reader. I don't know, but uh, but yeah. Um, so what should people uh, be looking forward to with the hunting photographer coming up in the the next uh, maybe couple months or year? Um, someone's interested sure well i'm actually trying to edit a podcast that we've recorded seven or ten episodes of and um so what's that that, what is that (laughs) it's just uh we've just podcasted about some of the topics in the course and with some other photographers and it'll be super informative and we'll do some more but it just hasn't been on the forefront of my list of things to get done so um hopefully for sure before hunting season it'll be up because after that it won't get touched until <laughs> sure next sure. spring if uh, i don't do it. so yeah, that that will be coming out and there'll be a bunch of really awesome free content and insights for people there um you know we'll continue to put up content through the instagram page that'll be informative as well as our email blast, you know, if you go on our website, thehuntingphotographer.com, it should, there should be a pop-up to sign up for our email. Um, and so if you do that, we'll continue to put out um, some more informative type emails and keep you in the loop on what we're up to. But um, as far as the course, probably not a whole lot will change. We'll probably try to get out and shoot a few more days in the field where we document how we go about shooting photos. So I, I shadowed Drake this spring on a bear hunt. Um, and just filmed him going about a day of photographing a hunt. And a lot of the students have really liked that and we want to do more, but it just is tough in the spring to, you know, really show what we want to show where, you know, fall when we have a more diverse, more diverse opportunities to go photograph hunting. Um, that'll definitely be better. So we're going to try to do that and that will get added to the course, um, down the line. But for the most part, it's kind of where it needs to be. And the mentorship time is, you know, equally as valuable as the entire course, I would say, um, just gives us a chance to ask you questions and give that guidance hear where you're at what you're thinking you know if hey i want to approach this brand either really dialing in how you go about it or like hey i know that guy like what do you want to do let me make the connection you know because a lot of the industry is who you know and getting your foot in the door sometimes it's just a phone call or a text or i mean you can do it on your own obviously but leveraging people that have been in the industry is a big up um so yeah and then um as far as the course i mean i'm going to try to do a video um side of the hunting photographer and uh i don't know exactly what that'll look like but um i think that'll be super beneficial for a lot of people and for me i guess one of the driving factors of all this is just to make the industry better across the board a giving people the tools to go create that content easier that is going to shift the perception of hunting and how we go about marketing things. And then also 
giving people the tools to actually run a business properly because at least in the photography space, a lot of brands have taken advantage of so many people, you know, and if more people are coming in educated and saying, no, I'm not giving you that for free. Here's why this content's valuable. Here's, you know, what I deliver for your brand. You know, it educates more people and it's like, oh, like we can't get stuff for free anymore. Like there's that, you know, it's, it's a learning on all sides, both from some of the brand perspective as well as the photographers. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, no, that's pipeline. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'll be very, uh, interested to hear the, the podcast as it comes out. Uh, will that be the hunting photographer podcast? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. It should. <laughs> So I I got lucky and I got the name to all the stuff. So <laughs> it's not a very that's tough a, one to, <laughs> to forget I was going to say, that's, Im- that's impressive that somebody didn't have that trademarked or, or anything. So. I know. So, yeah, and that's just another thing is like when you go into business, I mean, even as a photographer, thinking about what you're going to call yourself and doing the research on the front end of, do I have access to all the names and do I, how is this all going to look three, five, 10 years down the road? So, um, you know, a lot of people when they start myself included, didn't think about that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I, uh, I actually, when I was transitioning out of my current job, uh, about four or about five years ago, uh, me and a couple of buddies were going to start a brewery. And I thought, oh, the, the name, you know, that's that's the most important thing. I went out and I spent like six or seven hundred bucks or something like that on getting the, the, the copyrights for the name and learning about all the uh, copyright and trademark laws. And um, it, it's uh, it's an important thing, um, especially in like the fair use trade. But um, yeah, it's, it's something that people don't know a lot about when it comes to business sides. and. Um, I think I definitely went about it the wrong way. Um, and, uh, you don't have to pay. I I don't think you got to pay for it right up, right in a way. Um, especially if you're going to be a slow burner. Um, it's, uh, you generally have access to that, that trademark. If, if you're, you know, uh, the first person to be utilizing it in your market. And if you just put in the, the little extension uh, or the, Hey, I'm going to file this. I can't remember what that's called, but basically get like a year before uh, you have to pony up and pay and actually go through the process. But it kind of puts it on file for you, but there's so many things like that. I'm sure that you just have to go through or be mentored on before you can really understand that. Yeah, I was just going to say that's like the value of having a mentor of knowing people or I mean, most people know someone that could be a mentor. They just aren't in the mindset of like, oh, I should go ask that person. You know, I just met some veterans the other day that are trying to start a nonprofit. And I was like, hey, have you talked to so and so at the other nonprofit here in town? They're like, no, like I know him. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) You know, it's like more the mindset of like, okay, I need to do this. Who could I talk to that I know that like would be educated on this that could help me out, you know, rather than just right. like bumbled my way through it, which is how I've done it in the past. <laughs> I'm smarter now and know I shouldn't do it that way. Um, 
Yeah, but, yeah. There's a there's a certain charm to stumbling through something, but uh, <laughs> on the back end, you realize. I'm yeah. sure. So yeah. And then, uh, just for anyone in life in general, I think people should just pursue continuing to develop their skills, whether it's business, whether it's you know interpersonal skills, relationships, something new you want to do. Um, just kind of never stop wanting to learn more you know i mean life and business and your career it should be something that you're always striving to know more and be better at so um i just there's probably not a lot of mid-20 individuals that have a actual book on their nightstand or something that they're like doing to educate themselves on any topic um and there's just, it just goes a long ways. I mean, it can be a hard habit to get into, but if you can, you know, carve out some time to educate yourself on a day-to-day basis or a weekly basis, like it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, so if people are interested in uh, the hunting photographer, they can head on over, they can find you on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, and then sign up for your newsletter. I know I get your newsletter. Um, you don't post that often to the newsletter, but uh, it does keep you abreast. Yeah, I wish I had. It's just uh, you can only wear so many hats. That's the bad thing about being kind of an entrepreneur and do running your own business. Is you have to wear a lot of hats, and so yeah. Now I think yeah, I thought I thought it was by design. <laughs> I thought it was by design. I was like, oh. Uh, oh man, yeah, they're the hunting photographer. Yeah, I can't. I, I signed up for that like three months ago. What? What was? Yeah, what, yeah that's right. So yeah, it was by design. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good. Good. Okay. Well, hey Zach, I appreciate uh, you coming on the show, and looking forward to um, uh, I might here in the future um, settle down and. Uh, sit into the course uh, and, and see what it's all about. And uh, hopefully if anybody else out there is listening to this and wants a, um, a formal, a little bit more formal um, instruction on how to navigate these waters and you, you know, you think you're uh, this is something you're going to do. Uh, go ahead, hit Zach uh, up on the hunting photographer and uh, anything else you want to leave for the, the listeners? No. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested, shoot me a message, um, either through my personal page or the hunting photographer page, uh, on Instagram, it's the hunting photog. That was the only, the only one that I didn't have the full name, but, um, yeah, if you're interested, message me cause it's always good to have a discussion and make sure that it's going to be a good fix. It's like as much as I want to sell the course to people, I also want it to be relevant to the right people. So. That's uh, super important. I, I like that. That's I'm glad you brought that up. So. Absolutely. Well, sweet, man. Thanks for having me on. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And if I, uh, if I ever make my way up to uh, Bozeman to be a, uh, a groupie up there in the, <laughs> the outlaw, I will, uh, I'll hit you up. Yeah. We'll have a beer. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Or, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Zach, have a good one. All right. Thanks. Perfect. Perfect. Or, uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks. 
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm the old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.